Welcome to the Daily Flow. Hi there. A uh, quick reminder, this is for Agile with Ukraine. So there's a website, agilewithukraine.com. And there you will find there is a talk almost every day with a different speaker. Some of the speakers are really good. I'm one of them, so that's why I'm saying not all. <laughs> and it's to raise funding for life-saving equipment for humanitarian and medical help. So it's a really good cause. If you're enjoying this live interaction or you're watching it recorded and you're getting value out of it, my request is that you'd make a donation on that website, Agile with Ukraine, please. That's my polite request. But let's get on to the question that was asked yesterday. And the question that was asked was, how do I measure value for a major IT infrastructure piece of work. How do I measure value? So I think before I even get into how do I measure value, what is value? A lot of people struggle with this. I wrote an article about this on Medium, what is value really? And I think one of the reasons why the world isn't the way it is, is because we over-indexed on a couple of meanings for that. One of them being organizational value is where maybe you're trying to protect the reputation of the company or trying to protect the revenue that you have or protect whatever value that you have. It's counterintuitive there because I said value is like a recursive loop, but organizational from the point of view of protecting the organization's interests, maybe protecting the reputation of the company, maybe reducing costs, things like that. That's quite a common interpretation of value or saving some money or something like that. And then there's market value, which is where a customer end user interacts with our product or service and they get something that we see a change in behavior. They can do something more easily, they complete a task more easily, they can do it in less with less steps and so on. And there's less friction, it's easier to do, all these kind of things. And then there's societal value, an example of which for me would be sustainability. So sustainability, have we reduced our carbon footprint? Have we reduced our nuclear footprint? Have we reduced our plastic footprint? Plastic seems to be even more damaging than the climate crisis. What are we doing around that area? Or it could be around a risk reduction, reducing risk. Maybe we've got a technical mess left behind us. Maybe the product looks all nice, but it's just hanging together by a string. But a lot of people don't know that. Or it could be failure demand. Maybe we delivered something and we didn't do something right for the customers. Some piece of work went live and then the call center was just rammed with complaints. And some person left the building with a major bonus, having delivered on time and on budget, but we just messed up the call centers. And maybe 80, 90% of our calls, the call centers are complaints. Risk reduction could also be the cost of not doing something. If we don't do this, then something bad might happen kind of thing. And a lot of the time we don't know when that bad thing might happen. It's intangible, really. We can't really say when it'll happen. We just, we know that at some point it might happen. 
And then a kind of a more mature lens at value as well would be saying we have some learning. We learn something about one of these above and there's value also in learning. And I would argue that learning is the first citizen. A lot of the time, we don't actually know for sure if we will deliver this value. And so sometimes you can run some experiments to discover, do we have the capability to harvest that value? And so that's for me what value is. And I had a case where I could just put a monetary value on something and we didn't use it we didn't use it because at the time we were using some app and i think we had a million downloads or something like that of the app and we could really have zoned in on users of the app and get them to convert redeem some offer to tailor or something like that and then we'd see the money we could literally see the sales going up as the offers were being consumed on the app but we decided not to use sales as the measure of value because we wanted 50 million people downloading the app, 50 million people using the app. And what's the point in milking the 1 million people who downloaded the app already when we could actually have done something much, much bigger. And so even then we didn't use money. So in fact, I never have used money. So really value is relative. It's not exact. We don't know what we're going to get. And if you have a backlog, for example, you've got different items in your backlog and you think some things are more valuable than others, it's relative. We have an idea that some things might be more valuable than others. But there was a famous case study by Morse Cargo called Black Swan Farming, where they discovered that some items were hundreds or thousands of times more valuable than others, but they only found out after they went live. So they talked about cost of lay and all that, but what I picked out of that paper was you actually don't know how valuable something is until you actually go live. So maybe you need to do some small little bets, some tiny little bets on each to see where the money is. So instead of going into a casino and putting all your money on the first four tables, which is a lot of people do with MVP, minimum viable product, which I mean the crappiest product in the time. I don't use that term anymore. I prefer what's the smallest thing we can do. The smallest thing we can do and the next most important thing. So instead of putting all your money in the first four tables in the casino, maybe we could put money on 10 tables and maybe all the actions on table number nine, actually. So different ways of understanding value, market value, organizational value, societal value, risk reduction are learning. And it's relative. But when do you reap that value? You only reap that value when you release. When you give whatever you have to customers to give feedback. And often people draw a graph over time and they might have value in the vertical axis and maybe time and the horizontal axis. And when you start with an agile piece of work, yeah, even if you're using something like Scrum, like where you're going in some kind of sprint cycle and you're trying to release some product at the end of that cycle and so on, and that we call it the increment and that increment gets bigger and so on. Even if you're doing that, when you're doing Scrum, in my opinion, when you start doing Scrum, unless you're like a bunch of Navy SEALs or something where you can just click together and everything's just perfect as soon as you start, most of the time we just suck in the first sprint. Maybe for the first two months we suck. And there's a change curve that people are probably familiar with as well when you 
start, you try something different, a lot of the time things get worse. You can reduce how much worse it gets, but it typically gets worse. And my experience can take two months for the performance of the team to come back up. And then you really get into a nice trajectory and you leave the other people behind. So when I start with value, I would argue that value, it would go up a little bit in the early sprint, but it wouldn't be stellar. It wouldn't be going up because we're doing lots of learning about each other. We're learning more about the vision and the product and what we're trying to achieve. And if we're having goal orientation, hopefully there's some kind of North Star that we're striving for at the end of every sprint kind of thing and going for some overall kind of North Star that we're striving for. Hopefully we're doing that and we got some goal orientation. But even with all of that, in the first couple of sprints, maybe we don't deliver as much value as we would hope. You only get value when you release and you find out that the value is negative. You know that you've actually made things worse. Don't forget that. <laughs> I really admired a guy once who was in one of my leadership classes and said to me, I don't recommend this by the way, but he said, John, I take things out of production. I said, what do you mean you take things out of production? He says, yeah, they're just putting rubber push in stick it out I said what happens if they notice and he says they rarely notice and if they do i just say, oh sorry that was a mistake and they, then i put it back in so he understood actually that a lot of the time we made things worse you add more bugs and you add more it just makes it more messy and so on but most of us hopefully we deliver more useful stuff as we go on although we do know from lots of studies that two-thirds of what we build unless we do discover to deliver which i talked about in another episode unless we do discover to deliver if you just deliver stuff like robotically from the backlog two-thirds of those items are rarely or never used so the man actually is probably not in a bad track <laughs> not sure i recommend it though probably the better way would be to use discovery to figure out the stuff you should never build you know, do experiments but let's say the team is they're delivering value because they they're releasing something and things get better and then they deliver more value and you can release during the sprint as well remember you don't have to wait till the end of the sprint actually i hope what will happen is you deliver a bit of value during the sprint and you actually have some feedback as well at the sprint review and so we can course correct we're not just like relying on the opinions of the people the stakeholders inside the building we're actually we're talking to customers how about that <laughs> and we're looking at the analytics if it's software for example or maybe there's not analytics as well if it's non-software you can still tell how the product is doing and uh, yeah you can run more experiments and just find out what's going on you can do interviews you can just talk to them pick up the phone and so with our approaches like strum for example the delivery of real value increases over time do we know exactly what it is no it's relative for me there are techniques but i don't make up money it's just relative really but if cash is coming back in i guess that's clear you could count that but will it be clear, actually, that the extra cash that's coming in is because of your team? This is one of the things that, like with the logic model, you've got inputs, budget, people, customer needs, things like that. You've got activities, all the things we do to deliver the work. And then outputs, we actually delivered something that you can release. And then you release it and you get some feedback and hopefully you get some outcome out of that. But impact is much bigger than us normally. And it's profit of the company, for example. So unless you're a startup or something like that, how do you know, actually, that... The improved cash position have that sometimes they come to people are very good and they can tell particularly if you're looking at organizational value or maybe the cost of not doing something you can see on the bottom line already the differences that we made particularly if you've reduced costs but the question i was asked was how do i measure value for a major it infrastructure piece of work and the person who asked the question won't like the answer 
unless you're releasing something in chunks along the way, you don't have any value. Zero, nada, nothing. And if that time period is quite long, say 18 months, you're in a pretty precarious situation because what's probably going to happen now is people aren't really going to measure value anymore. They'll be looking for some proxies. And typically what I see is they're looking at story points, some other kind of proxy measure. And sometimes they're story point bingo. So it's not even an output measure to done. It's like activity because they're just playing games with claiming velocity at the end of a sprint. And so then people conflate effort, considering complexity and risk, with value, which is that we made a difference to the organization, to the world, to ourselves, or we've learned something more about all of these. If you don't release, if you don't have people, and even if you do release, if you don't have people giving feedback about whether we've made a difference or not, you don't have any value. And you're probably following more a waterfall profile, which would be where there's basically no value whatsoever, no value whatsoever. And then we get towards the end and then, whew. and I'm actually being optimistic here because I'm assuming that with the waterfall that you deliver the same value as the agile guys. But if you think about it with a traditional approach, the best thing you can hope for is what the people asked for. That's the best you can hope for. And it's usually not that because the different levels of translation that go on in between and so on. The best you can hope for with some kind of an agile approach, you could do this with Kanban as well. The best you can hope with an agile approach is something much better than you originally thought of. And I love what Rich Hunthausen says. He's one of my peers in Scrum.org. He says, a sprint review is where the customer gets to see what she asked for but doesn't want. You get it? So you go on for a long time. You can use whatever frameworks you want. There's lots of nice frameworks out there. Evidence-based management, for example, is really nice. I think Chris Maths is some kind of value hierarchy as well. There's lovely approaches out there, but the thing is that if you're not releasing anything, if you're not putting it into hands of someone else where we can actually see if it's making a difference, you're not getting anything. Now, I want to give a bit of good news for the person who asked that question because I did do something in a bank, a major bank, and they had a major, it was really, it was a major application rather than major, but there was IT infrastructure under the application as well. And a huge economy was based on it. And the risk was that if we went live, that we could damage the economy. No pressure. People were talking about, oh, we need a fixed window. We need 10 hours or whatever it was. And blah, blah, blah. I said, this is just too much risk. No one's going to pull that lever. <laughs> I certainly wouldn't pull that lever. So I recommended Martin Fowler's strangler pattern. And it's a nice little pattern. Actually, I had a strangler fig in my backyard in Chiswick when I was living there. And it's really sad. It was like this little twig. And what it does is it lands in the little crack in a branch it uh, kind, of, kind of takes root into the branch and kind of sucks the nutrients out of the branch it starts growing 
even starts growing its own fruit and everything and i was confused thinking you know what's going on oh i didn't think that was a fig tree it was like it was so good at camouflaging itself on the tree it looked like it was part of the tree and then what it does is it drops the roots down to the ground and then those roots once the roots get into the ground the, the fate of the tree is dead this is basically dead because what happens then it gets, takes all the nutrients out of the ground that's even coming into the roots of the tree grabs all those wraps the tree and then eventually the tree dies and then there's like a hollow thing inside so that you can actually see these fig plants you can get them in some garden centers and you should never plant them outside because they'll <laughs> destroy all your garden but if you put them in a little box i guess they're okay anyway the metaphor here is i said gals guys what we need to do here is we need to strangle the old system so what are you talking about what we need to do is we need to put just a few transactions through the new system but we can't do that i said no what you need to do is you need to design this kind of reconciliation system so if a transaction goes through the old system you push it through the new system and if it goes through the new system you push it through the old system and then at the bottom you have some reconciliation as well and so the idea is that it gives you a kind of an incremental goal life strategy because what you can do is you can say you can just open the tap a little bit and just put a little bit of your market into this new system and you'll see some problems and you'll fix those problems and then you say how confident are we feeling now about adding more people to this and so you open the tap a bit more and so more stuff is going into the new system and we find some discrepancies we reconcile the old system it's a lot of extra work don't get me wrong but it's very good at reducing the risk of the go life anyway in that situation within four months i actually left after the recommendation but they followed my advice and Within four months, it was live across the whole country. They actually decommissioned the old system. And it was unlike previous attempts at replacing that system before, where they were left, you know, when you try to put in a new system and you try to replace the old system, and then it doesn't really quite work. So you end up with two systems. And so they were worried. That's why they had a big bang approach. They wanted to get rid of the old systems. But with this approach, they did get rid of the old systems. It's called the strangler pattern. So whoever asked me that question, maybe you should be thinking less about how do you measure value and maybe you need to be thinking more about how do you reduce the risk with the deployment and how can you actually deliver any value in the shorter terms. So you can follow a trajectory like the agile one rather than the kind of waterfall pattern here, which is where you get nothing for a long time and then it eventually goes up. So keep feeding through your questions to me. Thank you so much for that question. If I didn't answer it properly, you can always comment when I'm talking and you can also send in follow-up questions. So just a reminder, please donate to Agile with Ukraine at agilewithukraine.com. I believe Wilbert Seal is doing a talk today, so check that out, register for that. He's a really good practitioner, you should check him out. And I'm sure he's got very interesting things to say. It's a very good cause to raise funding for life-saving equipment, humanitarian and medical help. And I wish you a good day. Thank you.